0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardish, ready to talk all things Tennessee Titans today. And as always, I'm joined by none other than PFF's finest, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, we've done eight of these so far. Number nine, AFC South's here. Great day to be great.
1: Yeah, man. AFC South means uh, we get some run heavy teams right off the bat. We haven't we haven't got to talk about it like it just. Well, I guess we we had the Eagles, but like this is true establish it territory when we get to talk about Tennessee, like Mike Vrabel and what he wants to do. So, yeah, it's a it's a different kind of profile. You are not
0: kidding, man. We're going to get right to that. Normally, as we go through these, the structure, I want to talk through notable offseason moves with the coaching staff and then with the free agency NFL draft pick signings before getting to each of quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end in depth. Appreciate you guys following along. We will continue to pump these out in the early July. So with all that said, Dwayne, Pretty much looking at the same offense in Tennessee going to 2022. Mike Frabel is back for his fifth season as the head coach. Once again, joined by offensive coordinator Todd Downing and even defensive coordinator Shane Bowen. So looking at Downing's 2021 offense, we did see a difference, you know, just in terms of Arthur Smith no longer being there. But Really the same philosophy. 2021, they were 32nd in pass play rate in non-garbage time situations. 2020, they were 30th. 2019, they were 26th. 2018, they were 30th. Modest 21st in situation. Neutral pace. Shout out to Football Outsiders for that information. So, Dwayne... It's a run-first offense. Derrick Henry is the heart and soul of the Titans, arguably the entire city of Nashville. The dude's a workhorse. He's going to continue to be so until the wheels fall off. And as we saw last year, even when Derrick Henry's wheels fall off doesn't exactly cause Ryan Tannehill to start throwing the ball all over the yard. I, I believe we are once again looking at anyone's idea of a bottom three offense in the league in total passing volume.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at the, when you look at the Titans like last year, um, they ran the ball. 46.3 percent of the time like across all their plays but the, the most telling thing really is you know even whenever trailing um, they ran the ball 40 percent of the time so that's trailing by four or more points the NFL average in that situation is 30 percent so they ran the ball 10 percent more than league average in close game scripts they ran the ball seven percent more than the league average so those are those are plays where you are within three points of your opponent And then when leading by four or more points, they ran the ball 3% more than the league average. So it's not like it's just, you know, when they're leading or in a certain game script, like they really want to run the ball at all times. This is how they set up the efficiency in their passing game. You know, they like to use a lot of play action. They like to, they're really looking for efficiency, right? Rather than, you know, just huge volume projections whenever it comes to the way they want to think about their passing game. Um, The other, the positive thing though, is uh, what's happened over the last couple of years used to the Titans we really slow and they ran the ball a ton. Now, at least we're getting more plays out of the offense. So that does help a little bit.
0: Looking ahead to some of the roster moves, Deontay Foreman, who quietly did a pretty damn good job filling in for Derrick Henry during the second half of the season. He has moved on to Panthers. Darrington Evans, former third round pick was released. Trenton Cannon signed a one-year deal, but he's looking like a special teamer. We even got fullback Kari Blassingame in there. So right now, looking like Hassan Haskins, who we'll get to in a second, is the RB2 behind Derrick Henry at wide receiver. Obviously traded A.J. Brown to the Eagles in return for a number 18 overall pick, as well as Philly's third-rounder. Immediately signed that four-year $100 million extension. Hurts. Love my AJB in Tennessee. I don't, oh man, dude, when they would rock those throwback kind of Houston Oilers uniforms, oh, I I still need to buy one at this point because that was right there, in my opinion, with that LT21 powder blue Chargers jersey as one of the prettiest I've seen of the past two decades. In replacing A.J. Brown, one move they made was acquiring Robert Woods from the Rams in exchange for a 2023 six-round pick. Also managed to go out there and obviously draft Traylon Burke in the first rounds. Just a couple other wide receiver additions. They lost Marcus Johnson. Chester Rogers remains an unrestricted free agent. Cameron Batson remains a free agent. But then at tight end, we did get some actually potentially meaningful moves. Michael Pruitt remains an unrestricted free agent. Why should you care about Michael Pruitt? Because he annoyingly consistently took some snaps and targets away in this offense. Last year, they always utilized three tight ends. And with Anthony Ferguson now in Atlanta with uh, former head coach Arthur Smith former offensive coordinator and tight end coach, excuse me, Arthur Smith. It looks like Austin Hooper, who signed a one-year, six-million deal with the Titans, could actually be their first full-time tight end since Jonu Smith, kind of, and arguably just Delaney Walker. So, Dwayne, this really is going to be a new-look offense for the Titans. I mean, they still have Henry. They still have Tannehill with Vrabel. He doesn't, you know, this isn't a team that's rebuilding by any stretch of the imagination. But, hey, as much as I want to say, like, you know, they've been this run-first offense, It's nothing's going to change like that, there are a lot of different pieces around this group in terms of the, what they're working with, that wide receiver and tight end.
1: Yeah, I mean, you lose Brown, you add Woods, like you were just talking about. You had Burks in the draft. Like, still, I, I think their their plan is going to be to run the ball as much as they can. Yeah. You know, now, what game scripts do... Now, we already talked about game scripts. Like, they still want to run, even when game scripts are bad. But, but realize, like... You know, I, I said 40%, right, rush rate whenever you're trailing by four or more. Um, so that means you're passing 60% of the time whenever you're trailing, which is still much higher than whenever they're leading. So the the, the game scripts can still play, you know, um, definitely play a role. But I think if, if you just had to ask, you know, Vrabel, like, what does he want to do? Like, what is his plan if everything goes perfectly? It's still going to be to try to run the ball. <laughs>
0: Man, if he could do every single game like the Patriots did with Mac Jones against the Bills last year, like I think that we would, would honestly probably get Vrabel off at night. I mean, that just seems like the sort of stuff that that dude wants to go in there, run the ball down the opponent's damn throat, get away with that victory. Quickly, with some of the NFL draft moves, mentioned a couple already, but Traylon Burks with the number 18 overall pick is now going to be AJB's direct replacement. In the third round, they stopped uh, Liberty quarterback Malik, Malik Willis' free fall. Man, say whatever you want about Ryan Tannehill, not mentoring Malik, but really based on how Tannehill's played, based on his contract, it does not look like Malik is going to factor into the 2022 starting conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if they get him out there for a handful of you know Wildcats-type snaps, have a package for him, but in terms of actually competing with Ryan Tannehill this year. I don't think it's on the table. And also Michigan running back Hassan Haskins in the fourth round to potentially profile as Derrick Henry's handcuff. A couple other interesting late-round additions. Fourth-round tight end. Oh, man. Chigozium Okonkwo. Oh, man.
1: That's such a hard name.
0: Dude, Four-five-two 40 40-yard dash, so 36-inch vertical. There is a chance that he kind of takes Ferkser's job as the de facto receiving tight end in this offense. Might not be pretty for Austin Hooper. Also got to look at fifth-round wide receiver Kyle Phillips, who earned some nice reviews at the Senior Bowl. Like Dwayne, Haskins the tight, the fourth round tight end, whose name I'm not going to embarrass myself with again. And Kyle Phillips, I get it. Usually we like to draw a line after round three and just disregard everyone else. Cause more times than not, that's what ends up happening, at least in fantasy football land. But based on this light depth chart, Dwayne, out of all these later round draft picks across the league, Haskins, Phillips, and Chagosium, they might actually have a little bit better chance at earning some player time relative to a lot of other guys that went in those rounds.
1: Yeah. I think Haskins is the big one. Um, you know, just, based on the fact that you know looking at the rest of the depth chart and knowing where derrick henry is from an age perspective from a touch perspective like that's the big one for me because when we look at the rest of the depth chart they're not built in that same vein right like this is another big back that could come in so like last year now again last year that didn't matter it's not i mean foreman did come in and end up leading the way but it's not like he took over the entire derrick henry role when he did it right we still had Hilliard involved we still had uh oh, God, and I'm, now I'm blanking. Like, we had all these um, guys. Oh, <laughs> yeah, McNichols. Yeah, McNichols, yeah, Jeremy McNichols, yeah. So, I mean, they kept multiple guys involved, which could be the case again. Um, but if I had to put my chip somewhere on all of those guys, that's where it would be. And, and mainly because, like, I like um, Kyle Phillips, but it's like, it's a run-first offense. They're not going to run a lot of 11 personnel. Um, you know, th- they would have to get their doors completely blown off and get completely <laughs> moved off of their game plan for him to really end up, you know, being a value to your point the depth chart is great um but i don't see how he's on the field in wide receiver two sets which they use mostly in this offense so that would be the one concerning thing but but to your point it is thin so he could suddenly be pushed into more duty than what we think but like i said i would put the chip on the back since we know they really want to be the running offense and we we know the fragility of really where henry's at in his career
0: we're doing another uh, underdog best ball draft, this time alongside Nathan Yonke later today. But, Dwayne, as we've done these drafts, a couple of them under our belt so far after the draft, Haskins and, you know, ironically, Deontay Foreman stand out as the two guys in the really late rounds of the draft. I'm talking like rounds 15, 16, where every single running back is like at that point this one-dimensional early down grinder or a scat back, someone that we don't really have a best-case scenario for. But we have Haskins and Foreman sitting there as the presumably handcuffs behind Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, and they're available so late. So I can plan on continuing to get some exposure to those guys because they are just one injury away from having a role that could have them in that even if it's not going to be top five, top 10 conversation like a Tony Pollard might be still someone that we're, we know can handle 15 plus carries on a weekly basis and offense that loves doing that. So with all that said, let's talk a little quarterback, Dwayne and Ryan Tannehill. Arguably one of the league's most underrated quarterbacks. You know, you can bring up the Cincinnati game all you want. But since he got to Tennessee, that's exactly what he's been. 91.0 PFF passing grade. Third among 52 quarterbacks with 300 plus dropbacks since 2019. He's seventh in QB rating. Tied for six in yards per attempt. Eleventh in adjusted completion rate. I just saw another cool stat from one of our Oh, what's his name? It wasn't Tej. It was um Arthur. I, I, f- I forget his name. Sorry, I'll figure it out. Give you credit later. Third, I believe in win shares. One of the new stats that PFF is trying to more um just appropriately assign quarterback responsibility for getting the W. So Tannehill, I mean, even with the Dolphins, you saw flashes of what he was capable of. As we all know, former wide receiver. He's got the rushing upside with seven rushing touchdowns in each of the past two seasons. Dwayne. Since 2019, Tannehill has more rushing touchdowns on Lamar Jackson. How about that? Getting those cool finger rolls going through the uh, end zone. Freaking field goal. That's what I was, that's what I was trying <laughs> to look for afterwards. So really, the question, Dwayne, with Tannehill is, should we expect him to look like the guy we saw from 2019 to 2021, which was a pretty damn solid fantasy quarterback. QB9 per game in 2019, QB9 in 2020. Even last year, he was the QB14 in fantasy points per game. Are we expecting him to be like that, or is he going to have a big drop off because of age, because of the lack of weapons, because of the run first offense? Because as we're seeing, man, in these drafts right now, Tannehill is going behind like projects like your Zach Wilson's or Trevor Lawrence's of the world, who I'm not saying they won't have a better 2022 than Tannehill, but man, just 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 based on where they've done, where they've finished over the past few years versus where their ADP is, Tannehill looks like a screaming value right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's falling big time. Like he, you know, before the draft, you know, he was a round 11 pick now, since the NFL draft, um, like the range on him over at fantasy mojo for FFPC is between round 13 and 14. So, I mean, he's, he's fallen a couple of rounds already. And he already really took a step back last year in fantasy points per dropback, which is where he had been really efficient. He was kind of along the lines of like arbitrage Russell Wilson, you know, in previous seasons where he had, you know, fantasy points per dropback were 0.70, 0.66, really high. And last year, it dropped back down to 0.48, which is more along what he was before he came to Tennessee. He had a 0.48, 0.47, 0.46. So right in that range. Now, Tannehill's flash signs early in his career of actually being a decent quarterback. Like if you go back and look at his passing grades, even back to like his second year in the season, you know, he posted an 80.7. There's a lot of quarterbacks that never get to an 80.7 ever in their career. So I, I tend to agree with you that Ryan Tannehill overall as an NFL quarterback is underrated. He does give you a little bit of upside in the rushing. I wish he got more rushing yards, right? He's going to be somewhere around 250 to 275 most likely. And the thing you get concerned about with the rushing touchdowns is can he continue to give you the seven, you know, because if he doesn't, I think you could be in trouble. And I, and I think, you know, that's, what's reflected in ADP is one. We don't know that we can get seven rushing touchdowns for a guy that really doesn't run the ball as much as other guys that would get that many. Now he's got a knack for it down around the end zone. And we know that the Titans like to keep the ball on the ground. So some of that stuff is probably being coached, right? Hey, drop back. You see this great. If not, just take off. Like, It's probably all part of their game plan. So I'm not, I'm not trying to insinuate like that. He's just not going to get the opportunities at all, but that is the seven is a high number. And then I think the next thing is just the loss of AJ Brown, right? You lose AJ Brown. Um, we're going to replace him with Traylon Burks, which you and I both like. We'll talk about him in a minute, but we don't know for sure what Burks is going to be. Robert Woods is an older receiver. He's coming off of a, a late-season injury for the Rams. You know, it's just, uh, you know, the weapons are what's really concerning. Can he continue to keep the efficiency up? Like, that's really going to be the key, you know, for Tannehill. And we saw, um, you know, in 2019, his yards per attempt were ungodly, 9.6, then 7.9, then last year down to 7.0. So is that trend going to continue? Because that seems to be what the market is thinking, uh, you know, looking at what ADP is doing. So I, I, I tend to fall on you know the side of Tannehill's not someone I'm really that excited to draft about, to draft anymore. Before the draft happened, I kind of had him in a tier with Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr for a different reason, right? But th- those two guys were really arbitrage plays on like Brady and Dak, like the guys that have weapons that could throw the ball a lot. But Tannehill still deserved to be in the tier because I was thinking of him more as a Russ Wilson kind of arbitrage player, right? We know he's not going to run the ball a ton, but he's going to add in the rushing game, you know, and he's got, you know, an offense that's built around creating big, big pass plays. And so I, that's the part I'm concerned about, like is just, is the big, are the big plays in the passing game going to really continue to be there for Ryan Tannehill with this massive change in the wide receiver room?
0: Apologies before Arjun Menon at Arjun Menon 100 had that QB wins over expected stat for Ryan Tannehill. Third behind only Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes over the past three seasons. And before all you Josh Allen fans or you Matthew Stafford defenders are yelling at me for cutting it off at 2019, that's only because Tannehill was starting for the Titans, starting in 2019. So chill the hell out, Twitter. It's pissing me off how many people acting like I'm biased against your quarterback when I'm just writing about Ryan Tannehill here, okay? Dwayne, I agree with everything you said. Do we want to take advantage of that value, or is he just kind of in that group of Zach Wilson, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, even Jameis-like? Do do we want to prioritize him ahead of those guys? Because I think if we were, you know, if we're signing up for a ranking competition and we're just trying to battle for the best medium projection, I would say majority of, you know, simulations if we run through the season, Tannehill might outscore those guys. But if we're in a best ball situation shooting for that upside, I don't think Tannehill really has a path to being this top five, top six quarterback like maybe some of these other guys could in their best case scenario. So do you prioritize Tannehill ahead of them or at this point do you kind of group him more with those guys? And if we're looking for our number two quarterback on a best ball squad, you know, just pick whoever you're stacking or maybe is working out best with your rest of your roster as opposed to really prioritizing Tannehill over those other guys.
1: Yeah, so I've, I've moved him kind of into his own little tier behind Cousins and behind uh, Derek Carr at this point um, because I'm not prioritizing him the way I am those two guys. So now, like, that's kind of my cutoff where you got to have a wide receiver one, and it's by Kirk Cousins. Ultimately, you would love for Kirk Cousins or Carr to be, you know, your QB two. I don't think um, Tannehill just fits, you know, I don't want him as my QB one for certain right I'm not comfortable with that at all at all I I still think he could be fine as a QB two. but to your point like if I'm looking at all these other guys Jameis now with all of the weapons that he has right Zach Wilson with improved weapons we've only seen one year right could he take a step forward um you look at a guy you look at obviously Justin Fields um you know yeah uh, Trey Lance those those, those are all they're all well ahead but like even once you get you know to that You know, the guys that I was just talking about, I think there are things you could talk yourself into where, you know, their median outcome, like you mentioned it, you said it perfect, right? He's probably going to project ahead of them as far as our median outcome goes. But when we try to look at how far is that off of their median outcomes versus the upside those players may give you. Um, I just don't. I don't know that it's worth it. I'm probably going to have pretty low exposure to Tannehill. Not somebody I'm just like trying to avoid, but also no, no one I'm running to pick. It's going to mostly be correlated stack kind of stuff uh, with late late draft capital.
0: I have my veteran kind of pocket passer tier with Stafford, Rogers, Carr, and Cousins from the QB 11 to QB 14 mark, Deshaun Watson kind of in his own tier, then Trey Lance and Justin Fields. Before, I think I was with you, Dwayne, kind of having Tannehill in his own tier, but just after doing some drafts, I really do think lumping him in with your Zach Wilsons to Trevor Lawrence, Jones, uh, Winston, even Mac Jones, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, and those guys, because like... I'm okay. I'm not gonna reach on Tannehill ahead of like Jared Goff if I've already drafted Jamison Williams or Amonra St. Brown. I just have no Titans on the on the table. So exactly. Don't think there's enough upside to really go chasing Tannehill over some other guys when it makes sense with your roster. So Let's talk about the main event, though, Dwayne. Run first offense. Obviously, that means Derrick Henry is going to be the guy in Tennessee. The question is, does he have enough volume to overcome an expected career decline in his efficiency? As we've talked about at length on this podcast, Tay says excellent study about how NFL running backs after about 1,500 professional carries experienced a decline in their expected yards They're yards above expectation on on rushing attempts. So basically, Henry, we're not expecting him to be the same world beater he was in 2018, 2019, even 2020. And we saw that last year, man. Like people look at the fantasy points per game and he was first. That was great. But, you know, for someone that averaged a full yard less per carry than he did the previous year, no one seemed to have that big of an issue with Henry putting up some duds along the way. But because of that sweet, sweet volume, it just didn't really matter. Twenty. 4.2 4.2 PPR points per game for Henry last year. He's been a top four back in that measure in each of the past three years. So Dwayne, 27.4 carries per game last season. Like with Henry, I came into to writing about him thinking like, okay, he's getting older. We saw the injury last year. I kind of want to get out. But then after writing about him and kind of considering everything, I think I moved him up a spot or two because, my God, man, he's playing his own freaking position in terms of this run game volume. And don't look now, but they might actually be throwing the ball a little bit more. Last year, career high, 4.2 PPR points per game from receiving production. I mean, only once before did he even get two PPR points per game as a receiver. Like, Henry could actually get a Jonathan Taylor level of receiving production this year. No, he's not going to be... Confusing anybody with 60, 70 receptions, but if we can get 35 or 40 receptions for Henry on top of this monstrous rushing workload, he doesn't have to be the best version of himself. We live in a world where James Connor just worked as an RB one averaging 3.7 yards per carry. How do you feel about Derek Henry this year? Prioritizing him at the top of the draft around these other running backs and some of the top receivers.
1: Yeah, I'm not drafting him early. Uh, my only exposure to Derrick Henry will be when he slides, you know, and it's just because like things, it's the opportunity costs, right? The receivers, the other things that you have to pass when you take him. I got bailed out last year. I'll be honest. Like I, I've, I faded him last year and like, you know, eight weeks in, I thought, dear God, <laughs> like this is a nightmare. Um, because I mean, even though his yards per carry had come down, like he was still putting up the huge games, you know, his points per game from a fan, from a PPR perspective, like we're tops in the league. So the, the thing with Henry you have to realize, right, and, and none of this is a perfect science, right? We're trying to play probabilities. Probabilities say, like, he should be hitting his cliff, he should be going down. But that doesn't mean he's going to. Not Just because we say that doesn't mean it has to happen, right? We see players all the time bend the edges of these guidelines, and Derrick Henry could be the guy to do it. I think the thing's that I see that do have me concern, and you kind of alluded to them. Like, So you already talked about his yards per carry and where they've gone. So if we like take that one step further, look at his yards after contact. They've gone down from 4.2 to 3.9 to 3.5, uh, 3.3, sorry. Then you look at his missed tackles force per attempt, went down from 20% to 15%. You look at his explosive play rate. So those are carries of 10 plus yards or more, gone down from 14 to 13 to 9%. And so he's really declining across the board. I do agree with you. The volume will be there unless he gets hurt. I don't see a scenario. Now, anything can happen. But I think most likely the Titans, if he's healthy, will be willing to just ride him. I think they want to get everything they can out of him at this point. You know, they've already given him his contract. I don't think they're necessarily worried about trying to keep, you know, tread on the tires. The backfield behind him is pretty light. So having said all that, I will be avoiding Derrick Henry I'm willing to take him when he slides past ADP just as a hedge, right? And it's mostly about the opportunity cost. Like, because can Derek Henry really have a blow-up season that could crush you if you don't have him? I don't feel that way with Zeke, but I do feel oh, yeah. that way with Derrick Henry, right? I feel that way with Derrick Henry. That could still be in his range of outcomes where I completely regret it and just, like, you know, want to punch myself in the face repeatedly, which Ian will probably remind <laughs> me of. and Like, try to make me do it on a podcast. So – I'll be below exposure, but I will definitely be hedging to get some. And then, just real quick, you, you mentioned the targets as well. Um, it was a career high since his rookie season um, for, and his rookie season he only had eighty three routes, so it's you know it's a really small sample size. But last year he had one hundred twenty one in just eight games, and he had a seventeen percent targets per route run, and his second highest yards per route run of his career. Now again, like you said, like do we think he's all of a sudden going to have this huge passing game, you know, roll? No, but AJ Brown is gone now. And so we've got to have Traylon Burks come through. You've got to have an injured Robert Woods come through. We've got a rotation at tight ends. You could end up in a scenario where there's no one they're really trying to feature in the offense in the passing game. And a lot of times, that's where we will see these running backs that aren't necessarily down-the-field threats, right? Derrick Henry, Ian, is not a threat to run the Texas route. we got to work Texas <laughs> route in here somewhere. But – man, he can catch swing passes. So it's funny to me when people just, you know, there's two different kinds of receiving backs. There are ones that are truly nightmares um, in coverage. You know, when I say down the field, like they're eight out ends, it ends up being like a one or a two. It's not a negative two, but they're working, you know, on a lot of these little, you know, up and outs, these angle routes, different things like that against linebackers and safeties. Henry's not going to do a lot of that. But if you've got receivers running off coverage they're not immediately getting open and he's sitting there in the flat like he could see more targets just by the nature of look man aj brown in the games where he played at least 80 percent of the route so let's get rid of the games where he was you know hurt in the middle of the game and had to leave 31% 31% target share for AJ Brown in those games. You know we're not going to have another Titan look like that this year. Like as much as we love Traylon Burks, like I think you and I are on the same page. We'll talk about him more in a minute. He's not going to get 30% of the targets when he's on the field. Like I guess it's in the range of outcomes, but we wouldn't be projecting that, no. right? So just by the nature of that alone, the ball's going to get spread around more, and some of those things could go to Henry. And with the injuries that AJ Brown, I haven't looked at what Henry's uh, targets. Uh, where when A.J. Brown was out, I could I could try to pull that up at some point. But I think some of this is baked into A.J. Brown, you know, being off the field early in the season.
0: Look at the competition behind him, too, man. Darrington Evans, their longtime third-round draft pick, who we were kind of thinking was going to have I that I thought
1: they up. cut him for some reason. He
0: no, he was cut. That's what I'm saying. But he's out of the picture. Okay, Look.
1: okay. Before yeah, like, his rookie year, I thought that was happened last
0: year. Before his rookie year, Peter King like got some headlines for saying that the Titans envisioned like an Alvin Kamara esque role for Evans. Yeah, and I you remember know, that. Yeah, we can laugh about it, but he never he never played. Like he was just hurt. Like he was out there for I think six total games over the two years. So whatever, he's gone. Jerry McNichols, who there was a fourth down I think in one against the Seahawks uh, last year, Dwayne, where Derrick in the fourth quarter where Derrick Henry was off the field in favor of Jerry McNichols. Like that happened in a regulated live NFL. Game in the year 2021. And then now it's just Doncho Hilliard. Like, Hassan Haskins is the best case running back that you could add behind Henry in terms of. We know he's not taking early down work because who? no one's ever going to take early down work from Derrick Henry, and we know he's not a big factor in the passing game. So if Dontrell here is is the only guy we got to worry about, I know he had some decent receiving production. He had like 10 targets in his first game with the Titans. He's only been on the team since November 23rd of last year. So if there is ever going to be a season for Derrick Henry to, again, not catch 90 balls, but catch like 35, 40. I think it's going to be this year. And I agree with you in terms of him not being this like liability, like just because Henry and Nick Chubb don't catch a ton of passes. doesn't mean they're incapable of catching a couple swings out there, getting your big freak athletes out in the open field. Seems like a good idea to me. Jordan.
1: He also never leaves the field inside the five almost, Yeah, you know, and, and, and this team is committed to running the ball inside the five. And he, guess what? He's also really damn good at running the ball inside the five. So like the big thing with, with Henry, like, I think he could catch a few more passes like, but, man, he the guy could score 20 touchdowns. Like, I, you don't say that about very many players, about very many running backs. And he could do all of them – they could all be rushing. Like, he, he could really do that. So, um, with Henry, you're going to really struggle to project him as anything other than, you know, like a top five running back. Like, and no matter what format you're playing. Standard, like, you know, he could easily project as the number one. You know, I mean, yeah. if you were just being fair about projections, what it's going to come down to for fantasy players this season on Henry – is really are you going to take more of the projection view or are you going to bake in some of the macro-level you know, views? Like, uh, A, thinking about your draft strategy, B, thinking about macro-level trends with players, like what we talked about with Tage. So I think, for me, once I bake those things in, it's enough just to, to I'm not going to be overweight on Henry. But he's also not a player that I'm just marking off. There are some players I won't draft. Henry will not be on that list. Like, I'm actually I'm going to look to get exposure you know, when I can
0: you're not going to be responding to fantasy tweets out there saying, Oh, I'm not taking Henry. Even if he's there in the 12th round, do not draft list. Dwayne, just (laughs) going to get hurt. Looking, let's zoom in though and see exactly where we kind of want him to fall to to get exposure. Right now in underdog, the top six picks in terms of ADP are Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then at pick six, Derrick Henry. I think that's pretty fair. I have him as my RB3 behind McCaffrey and Taylor, and I do think there is a bit of a drop off from Cup, Jefferson, Chase to the rest of the wide receivers, but You know, I'm not necessarily putting Henry above of guys like Diggs and CeeDee Lamb. So Dwayne, would it be kind of like 109, 110? Is that the spot where Henry's falling that you're pouncing? Or would you still prefer guys like Eckler, Najee, and maybe even like Devontae Adams types ahead of him too?
1: So I think at that price tag, you can go ahead and add some exposure. I will probably take the approach of waiting. I don't don't know that his ADP is going to move up much, right? It's probably going to stay right around where it's at. Obviously, injury news to him could make him go lower, but like what's the news that makes Derrick Henry go higher? It would have to be injuries to other players. There's nothing that I can think of right now that I'm going to hear coming out of Tennessee that's going to make me think, oh my God, I've got Duane, to move Duane, Derrick Henry we up. Are in,
0: we are in the summer. We are probably hours away from the Titans tweeting out Henry catching an uncovered <laughs> pass during like OTAs and people losing their damn mind. Over
1: this is so true. This is so true. Thanks for thanks for grounding me in, in, in the fact that we are not grounded at all in this community, but. Um I th- I think at that range I would be willing to take some shots, but I'm like you. Like so right now in FFPC, he's going at round one pick nine, but behind him, you've got Stefan Diggs going to your point around CD Lamb. So it's not going to be an automatic. Like my favorite start to a draft right now, down on that end, is honestly going Stefan Diggs and CD Lamb back to back. Like that's my favorite start. But I would be I would be happy to have some Derrick Henry CD Lamb starts or a Derrick Henry Stefan Diggs. I'm definitely going to have a few of those. Um so yeah, I I I think his ADP is actually it's 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 dropped like four three or four spots from last year. What did you say is at now on underdog overall?
0: RB3 uh, six player overall
1: six player and and that makes i mean look that's in a half point ppr ffpc is a full point plus you got one and a half points tied in so that's pushing him down you got kelsey going at five you got andrews going at 10 just to give folks an example derrick henry's going at nine
0: i think he's priced about right so yeah we're not going to have insane exposure but we're also not going to be fading the man 106 pretty fair ideally we can get him look at
1: the backs real quick though ian like that that's like the true test for me like I think you made a really good point. Like, against the receipt the opportunity cost is really against the receivers, not other backs. I have no problem taking him over Dalvin Cook. I have oh. no problem taking him over Joe Mixon. Um, you could make an argument for DeAndre Swift just because he's only going into year three. We know he's got the pass catching role, he's explosive. But then it's like, you're like, God, but that PFF rushing grade was freaking atrocious. Like, so you can find something about all these guys. Kamara, we've got legal you know, issues. He's also getting older. Javante Williams, we've still got to battle, um, you know, Melvin Gordon, even though you and I both think that his role will expand and he's going to, he'll, he'll be valuable this year. And then you get to Fournette. Like, so I'm taking Henry. I don't, if I were to make an argument for any one of those guys, that a more, none of those guys are going to project better than Henry when you yeah. do your projections. If I was making a macro take, like the only one I could see myself trying to convince myself into at least a few times over Henry would be Swift just because he's the younger player in a PPR format. Yeah,
0: Quickly... Just while we're talking about the top running backs, I've said on numerous times here, so I want to clear this up as I get new information about it. In addition to Kamara's legal problems, I was worried about Dalvin Cooks. That's why I had him outside my top 10 backs. Yesterday, I got to go on Matthew Collar, awesome uh, Vikings uh, beat reporter, his podcast over at Purple Insider. You guys can go check that out, at Matthew Collar uh, is his Twitter handle. But talking to Matthew, first thing I asked was, what's going on with Dalvin Cooks? Should we expect him to get suspended? And Matthew basically said, not for this year because they've just legal strategy for Dalvin's team has been to push this trial as far in the future as we can. And based on, you know, what the NFL has done with Deshaun Watson, Alvin Kamara, these other cases, they're letting things legally finish up before actually making suspensions uh, for the season. So with Dalvin Cook, I moved him back up to RB7. I am not seeing the potential suspension issue uh, for 2022 being enough to keep him down. So, hey, we got new information. We're adjusting everyone. Um, Apologies, you know, for not being, I guess, I don't know, I was wrong for a couple months on it, but hey, now we're moving forward. Great day to be great. Dwayne, let's finish up this backfield though with a look at Hassan Haskins. We talked about Deontay Foreman and the role he had last season. It was good. Not great. 142 touches from weeks 9 through 18. We consistently saw Doncho Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols to an extent taking away the pass down work. Still though, that was the 14th most touches among all running backs during that period. 93.9 PPR points were good enough for RB25 status. So With Hassan Haskins, he's going off the board right now in underdog fantasy. Outside of the top 200 picks, he is right next to Deontay Foreman as the RB59 and RB60. Like Dwayne, again, I'm not expecting much from Haskins. He's someone that in redraft leagues, you're going to pick up and probably have to cut, you know, a couple weeks in depending on some injuries and stuff going on. But seriously, if Derrick Henry gets hurt, Hassan's is going to be on the cover of every single waiver wire article. And for good reason, I think we could project him for 12 to 15 touches per game. The second Henry's forced to miss time.
1: Right. And there, and there's a chance that they give him a larger role than what we saw with Foreman. You know, we already covered earlier the base of uh, look, they could just split it up between all of these guys more, but I think if they have a bigger back, which he is 228 pounds, he's only going to be 22.8 years old when the season starts. You know, he handled a huge, rushing load uh one of his seasons at at michigan so it's like like there's some really good things about haskins that i think fit what the titans want to do he is not as explosive right as derrick henry um his career explosive rush rate in college was only a 14 which is well below you know the collegiate average um so uh, there's not like a ton of things about his profile that scream, Oh my God, I'm dying to get him. Yeah. But when you think about the offense, he fits in like in what they want him to do and how they like to use a larger back to punish people. Like I think he fits what they want to do. And I think there is a chance that if Derrick Henry went down, like I don't think anybody's going to take over a hundred percent of what Derrick Henry used to do, but I think there's a chance he takes over 80% of yeah. what Derrick Henry did before. And that alone makes him in deeper formats, especially redraft. I think he's a must draft if you're in like a 20 round draft. Like I think Hassan Haskins, Keontae Ingram, like those are two names like behind James Conner and behind uh, Derrick Henry. And, And just by the nature of like how we're constantly talking about Derrick Henry, where he is and his touch profile, knowing that you should be looking at those are the guys that you want to look at. Well, who is their number one back? We know we got someone that could be potentially, you know, on the downslope. Could suffer an injury. It's a run-heavy team. Like I don't see what there isn't, what there isn't um, to like, especially where he's going right now.
0: He's free. Go get him at the end of drafts for everything that you just said. And yeah, it was. I think we see these uh, running backs just maybe too much of a dynasty perspective. I think for everyone during these times of the offseason, we spend three months going through it. Hassan Haskins isn't making anyone's top ten list. He gets drafted into. Maybe the best case situation for him, not with draft capital, but just in terms of his potential role moving forward that fits his skill set. And he doesn't move up as high as he should because too many people are focusing too much on what they thought of him before the draft, as opposed to looking at how the Titans apparently view him he, now.
1: So he is a great late round pick, especially if you go wide receiver heavy early, right? And it's harder to hit on wide receivers in later rounds, running backs you know, they can still be hard to hit on, but because of injury, right, because of the nature of the way the season works, you know, all of a sudden, let's say you've got a wide receiver heavy team over in a best ball format. Let's say you go anchor, right? That's probably our favorite format. That's probably our favorite style, right? Get a running back in one of the first two rounds. Maybe you load up with some receivers, you've grabbed your tight end, maybe you grab you an RB2, you know, around round six or seven, and then you're coming back at the end, right, and you're having to fire like for an RB5, an RB6, all that kind of stuff. Like, You know, Ingram and Haskins like perfectly fit, like into that mold where all of a sudden Derrick Henry goes down in like week 15 and you've already got all these badass receivers giving you a huge, huge edge. And now all of a sudden you get to use, even if it's just for like three weeks that you get to use Hassan Haskins, like it could be huge.
0: And I don't even mind stacking or handcuffing Henry with Haskins on the same team. At that late, yeah, yeah. It's not like we're talking about Zeke and Pollard, where you're using you know two top eight round picks in order to accomplish this. Round sixteen or seventeen, you might as well ensure that you're always going to have at least that one starting running back. So we're in on Henry basically we we agree with where Henry's going happy to get some exposure to him but particularly if he falls absolutely love Hassan Haskins where he is going this late in drafts and I just want to point out everyone this podcast is sponsored by the fine folks over at FanDraft are you holding an in-person fantasy football draft party this year then you need to check out FanDraft.com FanDraft is a modern digitalized version of those old sticker boards we used to use at our drafts however unlike those outdated sticker boards FanDraft makes your fantasy draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as custom Logos, draft clock, team walk-up songs, a streaming news ticker, all that and much more. Fan draft works by running your league's draft room from the FanDraft.com website, and then exporting your display onto a large-screen TV for the entire league to enjoy. It can also be used fully online, and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. So sign up for a free trial account at FanDraft.com. When you're ready to order the Pro account, make sure to use promo code PFF to save 50% off your purchase. That's FanDraft.com with code PFF. Also, one note: the best play to fit. Best place to play fantasy football this summer is Underdog Fantasy. Dwayne and I are on those streets, and I'm sure you can be too, especially if you haven't signed up yet because we got a nice deal for you. Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. And If you play just 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, play $10 with code PFF, and draft your best ball mania team today. Wide receiver time, Dwayne. So run first offense. With that said, we got Traylon Burks, number 18 overall pick. Best chance of any, I think, rookie to work as their team's number one pass game option. And where he's going in the draft, I think it's reasonable. I mean, right now, looking at him, going in that RB3 range, even if he's not going to replicate A.J. Brown's efficiency, which I don't think we should expect him to, A.J.B., truly top five even if you want to push that down, anyone's idea of a top 10 wide receiver on a per route basis over the past three seasons. But when you look at Brown and some of the, you know, quote unquote problems he had at Tennessee, like he was just outperforming his expected volume. I mean, you look at it, the top five, excuse me, top six, instances of PPR points above expectation over the past two years was 2020 AJ Brown 2020 Devonte Adams 2020 Tyreek Hill and the 2021 versions of Debo Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup so that's how good AJ Brown was it wasn't like he was getting peppered you know with 160 targets and just you know ho hum efficiency getting by he was doing big things with the ball in his hands and that's why he was up there competing as a legit wide receiver one but when you look at his expected PPR points per game in 2020 he was actually only 29th and in 2020 21, he was tied for 27. So, initially, Dwayne, looking at Burks, I was again, you know, usually have my opinion before I'm kind of diving into all this stuff. And looking at Burks, I just wasn't sure if we were maybe expecting too much out of him, expecting him to be AJ Brown year one, which hey, that's asking a lot from a freaking rookie. But after diving in, Dwayne, there's all sorts of opportunity, and I think it's reasonable to expect Burks to get AJ Brown's level of targets, maybe not that quite high target share, but. Something similar in that ballpark. I do expect him to be the number one pass game option. And as we saw with A.J. Brown, even if A.J. Brown wasn't the world beater that he is, he still would have been, you know, expected to put up the sort of fancy points that are higher than where Burks is being drafted right now. So I know you were really high on Burks uh, before the draft. And just based on some of the stuff you were able to find, you know, in terms of his ability to win over the middle of the field and, you know, just be that yak monster on play action. It's the perfect fit for what we've seen him do well.
1: Yeah, I think the fit matters um, because really, you know, it's like you mentioned, you know, you're not going to win with the volume. Even when AJB was getting those 30% target shares, which we don't – we're not going to project, you know, Traylon Burks for. We're going to project him under that. But whenever he was getting those huge target volumes, it still was only coming out to like seven targets a game because the Titans run the ball so much. But like the efficiency – with Tannehill off the play action game getting in behind the linebackers in front of the safeties getting the ball on him and then letting him actually use that that yards after catch ability i think we could see those some similar things right from burks Um, because even when aj brown got to the league like he wasn't like this elite route runner right there were a lot of folks that even were worried about his ability you know to you know to really separate you know at the next level um and and you know none of those issues really played out because of the way that you know and part of that is because AJ brown's really good right but the other part is because of the way that the titans run their offense and i do think that burks is a perfect fit for that is he going to get 150 targets this season no something would have to actually a lot of weird stuff would have to happen right all of a sudden the titans would have to throw the ball more that would probably mean they're losing more the efficiency would go down probably have to have other receivers get hurt like there'd be all sorts of things that would have to happen for burks to get that many targets but Having having said all that, I do think, you know, he could come up with a really efficient, you know, season where, you know, he's in that 110 target range, but he can put up a lot of yards, score some touchdowns. That's really what you're looking for. You know, and right now, whenever you like so over on FFPC, for example, he is actually so underdog, he's going 34. FFPC, he's going 36. So that's the difference between a half PPR and a full PPR. I'm totally fine with him in that range. And that's right where I have him. I have him as my wide receiver 36 right now. But I think, you know, you could make an argument that he should be above like a couple of the other guys I have in the same tier, and I would be fine with it. I think he deserves to be in like that 32 to 36 range. He's an upside wide receiver three that could give you that big playability.
0: My thoughts exactly. He's my wide receiver 33. He's being drafted a little bit lower than that. Sign me up at that point. He's a number one pass game option with a good chance for not 150 targets, but 110, 115. Absolutely. Quick notes from PFS 2022 NFL draft guide on Burks, where he wins, size and speed. Burks is a vertical route weapon. He can not only win with speed by stacking opposing corners, but he can also win regularly at the catch point when he doesn't create separation. What's his role? Project X or big slot? Underrated movie, particularly on an airplane. While he played slot in college, you're drafting Burks highly to be the guy who can win outside one-on-one and where it matters most, downfield and in the red zone. Big slot is his fallback position, where he can improve. As Dwayne stated, route nuance. Burks can still improve in a number of ways as a route runner, mainly because he didn't run a varied set of routes for Arkansas. So Burks, priced appropriately. We know the upside's there. The opportunity is there. We are in on Traylon Burks. What about Robert Woods, Dwayne? We know this offense doesn't have much pass game volume. He turned 30 in April. He's coming off an ACL that doesn't look like it's going to impact him. We did have the athletics, Jordan Rodriguez, when Woods was still a member of the Rams reporting that he would be ready. He was expected to be ready by training camp. And we even had some video from OTAs of Woods going through drills and practicing and back-to-back days. So, With that in mind, I'm not completely out on woods. He's going in like the wide receiver four, wide receiver five range, which similar to Burks, I think is probably priced about right. But man, not going to be someone I'm exactly going out of my way to get. He's learning a new offense. He's got the age problem. I think it'd be reasonable to expect him not to be 100% back to himself coming off the injury, even if he is ready. And with these concerns in the pass and run game, like I don't think he's getting the 14 rush attempts per year in Tennessee that he was getting with the Rams. If anyone, they're giving those to Traylon Burks. It's just too much for me to really lean into Woods. Like only briefly did we see Corey Davis have any resemb- any semblance of a, you know standalone fantasy value alongside AJ Brown. No one was able to do it last year. I just think there's too many things that need to go right for Woods in order to really rank him ahead of some of these uh, more youthful upside guys.
1: Yeah, with Woods, um, I-, I pretty much feel the same way you do. I mean, so his yards per route ran. Uh, Yards per route run have dropped. So this is from 2017 until present. You know they've dropped every year almost 2.17 to 2.05 to 1.88 to 1.60, and then last year was at a 1.74. His targets per route run have really held steady. He's typically between 22% and 21%. He's had a low of 20% in the in the last six years. So I think he'll be somewhere around there, right? He's going to be a 20 to 21% target guy, but. Also not very good in the Yak game like he used to be. Robert Woods was an underrated Yak player back in the day. I don't think people realize like how good he was after the catch. And so some of that's gone. He is coming off the injury. So even if he's ready, right, for training camp, I do think the injury could still play, you know, into this season, right? And his performance. So there are just enough there are enough questions. He'll be 30 and a half years old whenever the season starts. To your point, I don't think he will get the involvement in the in the ground game. I think he could get some. I mean, they run the ball enough, maybe. Maybe they have plans to use him some that way. But, like, I mean, his, his rushing attempts, 19, 17, 24, and then last year, obviously only playing in nine games. He only had eight, but the rate was lower with, with the Rams. So we'll have to see if they can get him a little bit more involved. But I guess the way I look at him, Ian, you know, it's an aging receiver that's hitting that – he's hitting the age where the drop-off can happen really quick. Um, and so, like, it could happen this year where Robert Woods is a wide receiver eight. Like, that's in his range of outcomes. And my problem is I don't see the upside – to really want to spend a draft pick on him. Like the draft, to your point, where he's going is fine. I, I don't have an issue with Robert Woods' ADP. What I have an issue with is how do, how do I regret take, not taking Robert Woods? What's that scenario? And I don't really see it. Um, and so I know that's kind of probably wrong, right? Like why am I thinking about my fears to drive my, to drive me? Maybe this is like you're like, man, Dwayne, you're le- we're learning so much about you. Um, but but I, I do ask myself that about every player. Um, you know, what's the scenario where, you know, I'm like, oh my God, why do I not have more of them? And it's just tough for me to see one with Woods,
0: Robert Woods or Kenny Galladay.
1: I'm probably going to go Galladay because I think that offense has a a chance to be pass heavy. And I think he has a a chance, you know, Galladay could lead that offense in targets, you know, Woods could lead this offense, but it's run heavy, you know, and Galladay's younger.
0: Agreed. Woods is... When, I, when he got traded, I think I wrote a quick article or blurb or something, and I, I stated that Woods was the ideal number two to A.J. Brown because of his status, arguably the best run blocking wide receiver in the league. He can impact the game, you know, as a rusher, as a blocker, doesn't necessarily need triple digit targets. That's great for the Titans. Like Titans fans, like do not interpret this as disrespect towards Robert Woods, the real life football player. He is a net positive for the Titans. And I think all 32 teams in the league would be better off with Robert Woods and their three wide receiver sets. But in terms of so projecting that volume, projecting those fancy points. I'm with Dwayne. I just don't really see how he gets there. I mean, I think you could even argue Dwayne guys like Tyler Boyd, Tim Patrick, you know, Jacoby Myers. I think there's better best case scenarios. For I
1: have guys Boyd, over Russell over Gage, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, Tyler Lockett. I have all those guys ahead of woods technically in my ranks um, because I also do factor in ADP sentiment for two reasons. One markets are usually pretty efficient and like so i want to and especially for people drafting right now right a lot of if you're drafting right now and you play fantasy football you love freaking fantasy football you're not some cash right it's gonna (laughs) walk in like at the last second on draft day with a magazine be like what's up dudes you know you're not you're not that player you're gonna you're probably pretty sharp and you read or you read a lot of really good content right you're consuming that kind of stuff so i have galladay ranked a tier below right now but it's only because i'm baking in you know the adps right now where robert woods his adp is a 48 and Kenny Galladay's is a 57 that's the only thing that's keeping him keeping him in a tier below just trying to keep people from overspending right whenever they make their draft pick but I'm with you Um, I if I had to pick between the two especially once you get to calculate ADP and like and I I get one or the other I would want Kenny Galladay same tier with Galladay I've got uh, Jacoby Myers I've got Tim Patrick and I've got Will Fuller man I could probably take I could probably see a I see a ceiling For all of those guys that I don't think Woods have, Woods has right. And I know people will be like, Myers, really, guys? Like we'll talk about the Patriots on another day. Well, we already did, but like the twenty-three percent target share, right? At his age, you know, the twenty-three percent targets per route run. I think you put out a perfect tweet. Oh my God, guys! What if Jacoby Myers scores (laughs) touchdowns this year? Like really, that's all you have to see. Like what he's done at such a young, and he's he's so much younger, right, than Robert Woods that I would rather have Jacoby Myers.
0: And this is uh, again. I'm. If you want to enter these ranking competitions, if you want to be a freaking baller like Nathan Yonke and finish top five every year, good on you. But I just and, and Nathan does a great job separating, I think, his rankings from his actual fancy plays. But like Robert Woods is a perfect example of why I don't always think those rankings competitions, and that mindset, is necessarily always leading to your best fantasy success because. Dwayne, a lot of those guys you listed, again, if it was gun to our head, like we're going to simulate the season a hundred times, who's going to have more fantasy points on average, it's probably Woods over a lot of those guys. But in terms of shooting for those top 10% scenarios, like, no, I don't think he's giving us anything, man. I'm with you. I cannot think of a single out of those hundred simulations. I don't think one of those, are we like shaking our head? Like, man, how are we not in on Robert Woods? And you know, as we said, I think the biggest
1: one, like, and I know we need to move on, but even if you think Robert Woods is 100% healthy, right? Look, he's never been a true alpha receiver. He's always been complementary in nature. So when you put him into this Titans offense and he gets 20 to 22% targets per route run, let's say he's out there for 85% of the routes, like there's just not a lot there, you know. Even if you think he's fully healthy, it's just it's it's going to be tough. Whereas what we're betting on with with um, Traylon Burks is. Maybe similar targets, but what he can do when he gets them, you know, yeah. it's like, there's, there's, there are other ways to get to his upside. So
0: I have woods wide receiver 51. I'm probably even going to drop him a little bit lower, <laughs> even though I think he's, a. Uh, I I have him 52.
1: So you better yeah. move him.
0: <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. This is going to be a fun, uh, fun ongoing uh, ranking battle. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Akini, Kyle Phillips, Des Fitzpatrick, not expecting a uh, fancy relevant rules for those guys. Even with those injuries last year, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. We just didn't see anything from this passing game. Once again, plenty of two tight end sets. just not a team where we should expect. Like we don't think woods is going to be able to get it. Do you really think the number three or four wide receiver is going to? Absolutely not. But Dwayne, let's wrap things up with a look at tight end. Austin Hooper, Jeff Swaim right now looking like the guys, although we do have, again, Chagosium, Aquonu, Tommy Hudson, Ryan Izzo, and some other guys. I'm out on Hooper and just, you know, there we go. I think they're, they're going to continue to rotate the tight ends. He only got a $6 million, one do, uh, $6 million deal for one year. Last year, Anthony Ferkscher had 43 targets. Jeff, Jeff Swaim had 40. Uh, Michael Pruitt had 18. Uh, Swaim led the team with a 60% snap rate on the season. They regularly rotate multiple tight ends. I don't really see them stopping. And I really do think Chagosium, how many times can I say this dude's name in one podcast, uh, could factor in that Firster <laughs> role. So with Hooper, man, like, Delaney Walker and John Jonu Smith, like even John who wasn't getting the sort of targets and just opportunity we were hoping for in this offense. I don't know why Hooper would be that guy. So, hey, if you get Tannehill and you want to just stack him with Hooper, you know, in the final round or two of a draft, that's fine. But guys like Evan Ingram, Gerald Everett, Hayden Hurst that actually have lower ADPs than Hooper, I would happily take them ahead
1: of him. Yeah, and there's just nothing in Hooper's profile that, like, jumps out at me. So I, I, I think he'll probably lead the room, but to your point, it was still going to be a rotation. And guess what? Most of you are not going to have to worry about drafting him. Right now, he's going off the board at tight end 26. Um, you know, I mean, and that's, that's in a tight end premium league where these guys actually get drafted. He's going in round 15. In most leagues, Austin Hooper's not going to get drafted. So if he somehow surprises us in week one, you're still going to have time to react.
0: Yeah, and just, again... Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, Gerald Everett, to me, they are just such better options in those later rounds of drafts, particularly Gerald Everett, man. I mean, looking at Justin Herbert's number one, tight end versus Hooper, likely in a committee, likely as a number three, number four, pass game option at best. Uh, Unfortunately, just not enough volume for him. Same thing that happened in Cleveland, man. Like, I don't think Hooper fell off a cliff in terms of what he's able to do when he went from the Falcons to Cleveland. He just didn't get the same opportunities and he had to rotate with two other tight ends every week. Don't anticipate that changing in Tennessee, who has shown the willingness to do the exact same thing. So to quickly recap, Ryan Tannehill, probably too cheap, but we don't really see the huge best case upside scenario to take that much advantage of it. If you want to take him as your second QB in best ball, you know, two quarterback leagues, that's okay. He is cheap enough where you can warrant that Derrick Henry. We are in line with where the public is kind of viewing him right now. Happy to get some exposure, certainly not on the do not draft list because of this monstrous workload he could get, particularly with an improvement in the passing game. Love Hassan Haskins. He's going far too cheap as the projected handcuff for Derrick Henry trail on Bur- Works is someone we are also fine with where he's going right now as an upside wide receiver three. Robert Woods, not so much because we don't see the best case upside. Similar sentiment with Austin Hooper. That about sum it up, Dwayne?
1: That sums it up perfectly. That, that's, been your be- that's been your best summary yet.
0: I was about to say, man, why didn't we just have a 15-second
1: call? <laughs> I just could have said all that, done the ads,
0: get out of here. All right, fun time. Anything else you want to get off your chest, Dwayne, before we talk for like another hour here in a little bit?
1: Oh no, man. No, I'm, I'm just loving doing these. So I'm hoping everybody else is loving them. And, um, just something that you always say, like, look, if folks have feedback, there's other things they're wanting to hear on these. Like, let us know, like let hit me, me and Ian, I think your DMS are open on Twitter too, Ian. So, I mean, whatever way you prefer, right. You know, you want to send a carrier pigeon to us, that's fine as well, (laughs) you know, but, uh, always looking for y'all's feedback. So if there's anything we're not doing, let us know.
0: Absolutely. Always appreciate the feedback, especially when it's positive, but you know what, if it makes it better, (laughs) you can call us a jackass too. All good. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care.